You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Yes, you heard that correctly. We are now officially a part of a hockey podcast network called the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we're super excited. I'm joined by Brian and Elliot, as always. But what do you guys like? Let's let's dive into it because this is huge for us. We're so excited. Oh, it's massive. Um, we, it's a real step in growth for us. Uh, we're joining a, a network that uh, across you know different sports has over 160 podcasts involved, uh, over 40 in hockey alone. Um, so it, it's really it's a big step for us. Uh, there's going to be no changes in terms of content from us. We're going to do the same stuff every week. The only thing you'll notice is uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a commercial break in the middle here. So <laughs> just as a, as a warning there, um, it's not going to be long. So you don't don't touch that dial is what they used to say. Um, I say that as if I, I lived through that. I, I, I well, was well, never you still work for a baseball team. They still use the radio. I mean, fair, but it still doesn't feel necessarily dialish. No, it's... but baseball's dead. So. Wow! Wow! <laughs> okay. Right. Anyway, it's it's a pretty cool. Many the podcast. It's a pretty cool and awesome opportunity for us. Right. Um, like Brian said, there'll be a little bit of a commercial break, like we used to do back in the first couple episodes when we used to plug all of our socials. Now we just do it in the middle of the show, anyways. And now we've yeah, got. We're forcing that upon you now. Yeah. Um, follow us on all socials. Um, but yeah, <laughs> wow. this is this is a really cool and awesome opportunity, and we're super stoked about it. And hopefully this just keeps leading to bigger and better things and you guys keep growing with us yeah and we alluded to last week that we're starting to do guests this is actually our first episode ever with a guest we're gonna have Liz hood on in the in the back half of this episode to do our mailbag portion but we are really excited to start inviting guests and we have some pretty big names lined up that we're excited for over the next month and a half two months and we'll see where this takes us but this is this is a great first step like you said um yeah if you guys don't have anything else we can move on but yeah, let's yeah, uh, let's let, get started. Let's get into the little bit of sadness here. <laughs> well, the first two games for sure. Uh, we ended off last week's episode uh, with a two-one loss against Nashville. We covered that one in the last episode. Now we're moving on to the Jets' three-game homestand, where they were booed continuously by the fans throughout, um, and ended off with some cheering. But let's start, Ellie and I. You, you and I attended the the Jets Sabers game where it was three nothing for the better part of three periods it felt like and then the Jets made it close in the last two minutes but I'll start with you what did you see from this game it just was not a very good game at all I I'm sitting there with Connor and we're both just constantly looking at each other and going what are we doing <laughs> what is happening it, like, <laughs> the, I get the Sabers were on a roll and I get they're you know what they're a good young team but I don't know I don't think that like the Jets should have probably won that game. I think all of the all of the last three games were winnable games, and they won one of them. And that Sabres game, I think, was definitely one we probably should have won. We let that one get away, and and I mentioned it on the last podcast, and it was a trend up until that St. Louis game, because yes, they I know they scored one or two in the second period, but the second periods for the Jets on this little losing skid that we've been on, not very good. They've been really bad, and it's been really. Really scary. Connor and I were in the first intermission. And I just looked at him and I said, "Please don't tell me that they're gonna have another second period like they've done the last couple of games." And it just, yeah, it was exactly what we thought it was gonna be. So hopefully this will turn around. But yeah, that first Sabres game that was just frustrating. Yeah, and the thing is too with that is, yes, the score is three two. Uh, the Jets didn't get on the board until the last five minutes of that game, yeah. and then 
didn't score their second one until there was 41 seconds left in the third. So it's very much the uh, too little, too late. Um, you know, it's a problem that we've seen a few times, but yeah, it. The Sabers are going to give you the offense, uh, and you have to figure out how to combat that. But what you need to also do is capitalize on the fact that they're not the greatest defensive team, uh, and their goaltending can be very suspect. So. Uh, not scoring until the last five minutes of that game, uh, not ideal. Yeah. Um, the Sabres, like you said, they provided a lot of offense. If uh, This stat is probably out there somewhere, but it felt like the Sabres had three shifts per period where they spent over two minutes in the Jets' zone, just cycling yeah. it around, passing it around. Jets looked tired. Uh, they couldn't get the puck out, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not a winning formula. You can't do that. And it, it burned them. I'm almost kind of mad that they made it close at the end because this was I I left the game saying that was the worst game they've played this year easily yep. and then they followed it up with arguably an even yeah. worse game but anyways um I'm almost mad that they made it close because it made it seem like it wasn't that bad when yeah. it really was Well and and I would just want to say too and Connor can confirm this like I normally when I go to games when the Jets score I get up and I cheer both times the Jets scored I didn't even get up because I was like What's the point? I, I I know that they're a not going to tie the. If, I said to Connor, I said if they tie the game, I'll get up and cheer. But I'm I, I was I was just like no, there's no it was, point. It was there's a dead really, game. It, it was a dead game. By that point, they left it way too late. Yeah, and then they followed it up against Philly, where both of these games had a similar theme. They came out decent in the first, and then everything fell apart for the rest of the game. Uh, the Philly game, I think they had eleven shots in the first. And then just fell apart after that. They, it, it was the Buffalo game all over again. Philly was outworking them. They had the possession of the puck the whole time. The Jets didn't score. Carter Hart had a – how many shots did the Jets even get? A 40-save shutout? It did not feel like they no. tested him once. Yeah. <laughs> Yet they had 40 shots. It made no sense because all those shots came from the outside, et cetera. But, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, two – very bad performances in a row and like you said two very bad second periods in a row but what well are your i thoughts? mean let's let's be real too it was the third oh, bad yeah. performance in a row going back to the nashville game yeah yeah so that's the thing that really well because the issue too because we were getting the the booze from the fans mm -hmm. and it's not like it came out of nowhere it was three consecutive games of uh this team should be beating these teams so when you are under the assumption that uh, you're going to come out and at the very least put up a really good effort and you don't see that, you're going to be mad. Uh, so there's been a lot of questions as to why there was so much outrage. And I think it's also, it feels like it's been building because there's been a lot of wins recently that have been very unsustainable. There's been a lot of losses, fairly big losses uh, recently as well. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, it felt like a real boiling point for everyone. Um, but it's, it's one of those games that it was just, awful all around you, you saw a very rare Connor Hellebuck pulling yeah yeah that pulling I mercy yeah that was, it was, that, was that was for sure a mercy pull there was no <laughs> yeah. no ifs ands or buts about that yeah he bonus is basically saying there you guys aren't playing good enough to have my star goalie in so I'm not gonna torture him and leave him out there because and then Riddich actually made a couple nice saves yeah and actually whatever hell <laughs> the goals that went in on Hellebuck you can't like oh, you, it, yeah, it is you what can't. It, yeah you can't put any blame on no. Hellebuck for this game. This is all about, and Bonus said in the post-game press, so this is all about the, the the stars out in front and all the players in front of him not doing their job. 
And if you know Jets fans, you know they don't want to have to boo their team. They they don't. They they prefer when this team is winning or at least putting in some effort. When they don't look like they're putting in effort and they they aren't playing well, they say that they say this about Knicks fans and you can say that about Jets fans too. We will give you'll hear it from fans when you're not performing at the standard that they expect, especially in the season that we've been having. Yeah. I think if we were towards the bottom of the league and we weren't as good, I don't think people would have booed. It kind of just would have been, or last year towards the end of the year, would have just been, ah, whatever. It's what it is. You let it go. We'll try again next game. But because this team has set such a high standard, there's there's expectations, and they've got to meet them. And Because they're reverting to trends from last year, they're not meeting the expectations that they've set for this season. Yeah, those games looked very Maurice-esque. Maurice-era-esque, I, must, I, must, uh, I should say. Uh, and then we move on to the St. Louis game where... They looked good for the whole game, I'd say. Like, the, the Bennington was really good in the first and second period. He fell apart in the third. But this was a game where, it, again, Buffalo, you can make the argument, but Philly and St. Louis for sure are teams that you could you should beat. Buffalo was coming in hot. That's, that's fine. Uh, but these two teams, especially this one, divisional, third game of the homestand, last one before the break, if they had gone in losing four straight and six of their last eight, the tone of this podcast would have been a lot different because they, they were down to nothing five minutes into the third, right? And then Morrissey scores that goal. Um, he, I loved the celebration. It's like all over Twitter that people are posting that celebration. But if you think about it, the Jets had been booed for the better part of eight periods Yeah, at that point, right? So Morrissey's basically saying like, all right, we're giving you something to cheer for. Let's go. Well, let's... Yeah blank go he says something in the middle there that I'm, I'm not going to say but yeah. uh, he got the crowd fired up and he got the team fired up and from the future captain of the Winnipeg Jets that was huge yeah I, I think he he needed to do the firing up and I realistically again I don't you don't need to fire you don't need to use much to fire up the fans here it's more about the team needs to look fired up and the fans will respond with it it's about any any sport in this city you just have to give Winnipeg fans something to cheer for and it's it's like a light switch. They will come alive and they'll give you some energy. But you have to provide it first, or they're just not gonna. It's like a relationship. It's a it's a, a two way street. You you have to give a little to get a little bit. So when he gave this them is not a little a relationship bit, pod. Yeah. <laughs> when when he gave them a, a goal, it gave them a little. It gave the fans a boost. Of, hey, we put one in the net. We're on the board. Let's giddy up here and let's get a win. Yeah, and. It's not to say it, there were still points in this game where it was overly frustrating. They went over six on the power play, yeah, which was just atrocious. The power play is a concern right now. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, even outside of that game. Yeah, and this was also a game in which we saw a ridiculous amount of line shuffling. Yeah. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers started on the fourth line, Ugh. and then shockingly. <laughs> When lines started getting back to where they should be, and guys should be the, the ones who were in the top six are actually in the top six, they started scoring. Weird how that works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no. Uh, I wouldn't know. But yeah, it was it was a lot of essentially, I mean, it apparently it was message sending. It just bugs me, and this was something that I saw a bunch of during that game, where message sending only works when the message you send to some guys also reaches the others. So if you're punishing some guys and demoting them, the guys you bring up have to have earned that promotion as well. It's not just, oh, these guys are bad, so let's 
just move uh, random guys up to make sure that they get the, you know, the, the message that they shouldn't be up there. You also still have to try and win hockey games. Yeah, like Elliot said, it takes two to tango, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when you put Kuhlman and Manalainen in the top six, that's just, I don't care what message you're sending, that's getting you closer to losing than it is winning. That's smacking your face with a textbook and hoping that you learn the information <laughs> playing those two in the top six yeah yeah i i'm not a fan of that and but we wouldn't know because we're not nhl coaches right what yeah. do we know ah yes <laughs> it's, the age it's not old, like you don't I've know anything played sports and understand the philosophy and the brain behind players and that's probably yes it works for some guys but it's not going to work for lots for a lot of guys so yeah brian touched on it the, the message sending has to be sent to the right people and the right people have to be punished for it not yeah. uh promoted for it yeah for sure uh and nikolai ehlers has been arguably the best forward on this team since he came back so yep. putting him on the fourth line not smart but very big head scratch yeah when he came back onto the top line with shifley and connor they obviously tied the game at 2-2 and then it was connor shifley wheeler that closed out because of course it was um that yep. got the empty net goal um <laughs> But Blake Wheeler being a <laughs> captain. <laughs> Racking up points with the empty net. And pointing to make sure Shifley doesn't pass to him. He thought about it, and I, I hate when players overpass. Just shoot the yeah. puck. Just we all know and, and that's what I think Blake was trying to say. We I think all he know. was just trying to say, just bull over this guy and just sco go score. We all know deep down that you want the goal. Just shoot it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like just shoot the puck. But he did. So it, it, it all worked out. Shifley now up to 31 goals in the year with two in this game. Uh, he's scoring a lot of goals, not getting a lot of assists, but you know what? It's production, so we can't yeah. really complain. He's producing more than he did last year. You will not hear a peep out of me. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, that those are the games, that, nine, eight concerning periods with one really good one. Yeah. Yep. That I would say. Um, but now they get the break, and the NHL returns to play on February 6th. And the Jets don't come back till February 11th. Yeah, in that weird 9 p.m. game. Right. <laughs> um, On a Saturday. Yeah. In Winnipeg, not a Pacific. Against Chicago, another yeah. central, central team. Central time zone team. I want someone to get grilled about that decision. Anyways, uh, what was I going to say? The break, yes. The, the mandated bye week that is now in the CBA for each team. The Jets get it right after the All-Star break as well. So that's... Yeah. They get a huge extended break. The team looked fatigued down the stretch. I think they really need it. Um, that's not to say they need it more than other teams. I just think they'll really benefit from not just the All-Star weekend off because teams go back on the 6th, but yeah. the, the extra week in advance. Uh, if you guys have any other talking points, we can talk about them. But we do have a mailbag portion that we recorded last night with lists that we will transition into here in a second. So is there anything you guys want to end off with before we get into that? Uh, I think it's just uh, carry forward the momentum you gained at the end of the, the Blues game. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard, as we were saying, though, with the time in between. But, uh, no, it's uh, just a lot of, you know, play the right way. Play the way that was winning you games early in the season because now's the time to kind of get that figured out. Yeah, it, just to reiterate what Brian said, just keep the momentum going and get back to the hockey that was winning you games because it, it was clearly working and it's <laughs> – and you know what? It, bonus is clearly trying to stick to what was working, and guys just have to respond to it. So hopefully it keeps up. We'll see. And, yeah, with the extended break, hopefully this is enough rest for guys to reset for 
hopefully a good stretch run here down the last 25 or so games left. Mm-hmm. And give Josh Morrissey the captaincy. Exactly. That is, that's my take. <laughs> not I mean, this year, because right now it's working. Right so now, I mean, right now. As he's, as he's headed to Florida. I'm not even kidding. Do it right now. Well, so I mean, when he comes back, he has a C on his sweater. Uh, free, like Elliot Friedman in his uh, 32 Thoughts like article, literally .5 on that was just uh, when's Josh Morrissey getting the C. There was no elaboration. That was the only point there, and then he moved on to point six. I don't hate the idea of giving it to him right now. Yeah. Like, why wait till the offseason? That's He's, a rally point right that there. That is, yeah. Use, the, use his goal and his celebration as like a momentum-building turning point in the season because they hit their lowest point of the season with yeah. that loss against Philly. That was the low point. That goal changed everything, and they won this game. And I said it before, but imagine the tone of this podcast if they had lost 2 nothing, 3 nothing to the Blues. We would be, like, lost. We'd be livid. We would be, be lost. Livid. We'd be livid and lost. Uh, but Double here we are oil. because of Josh Morrissey and that two-goal performance. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll now move in. Elliot is going to leave us for the uh, <laughs> interview portion. But we had a lot of fun, Brian and I, interviewing Liz. So stick around. Yeah, so just after these messages, we'll be back with Liz. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. For example, tonight, you could bet on the over for LeBron's points and a win on the money line for the Lakers over the Pacers. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Hey Level Flight Podcast fans, this time of year everyone's talking about making the big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. Even I've fallen into that, claiming it's time to go to the gym, but next thing you know it, I'm forearm deep in a bag of Chicago mixed popcorn. That being said, I've found that actually the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact, in the same way that you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change, even if it's something you use every day like buying a pair of Raycons, for example. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. With their portability, your Raycons can be with you as you go for walks, head to the store, or whatever you might be doing. Too cold out? No worries, use them for your daily activities around the house. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last you all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Keep them at your desk, in your backpack, or wherever you'd find yourself needing a pair. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. One of my favorite features of Raycons is how they can be fitted to your ear with custom gel tips. My ears can get sore sometimes with other headphones, but these fit perfectly. It also helps a ton when I'm working out too, and they're actually water and sweat resistant. If I'm going for a run, I'm going to sweat. Now I don't have to worry about the sweat getting into the earbuds. 
But my favorite feature though is their noise isolation. We're all students, so trying to study can be a bit tough if you're in a loud area. With Raycon's noise isolation, I can get to work and be as productive as my procrastinating self will let me be. So, are you ready to buy something small with big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. buyraycon.com THPN. Alrighty, and we are now headed into the mailbag portion of our episode. We are now joined by Liz. Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. I was telling the guys before I've been mutuals on them with Twitter or with them on Twitter for years, and I'm super excited about this project they got going. So um, I'm super honored to be on today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, yeah, my name's Liz. Uh, you might have seen me being a menace on Twitter for, you know, anything Jets related over the last who knows how many years as well. Um, I am one of the hosts on Game Over Winnipeg, which is a subsidiary of SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. So that's something I've picked up in the last year or so. I also have a podcast with a fellow Jets Twitter um, friend, fiend, foe, whatever you want to call him, Brady. And uh, we have Can't Teach Sides, which is our podcast where we talk about, you know, general league stuff. And then we kind of really hone in on the Jets on Game Over Winnipeg. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here to uh, unpack some of the questions that you guys got on Twitter today. Yeah, we're we're super excited to have you. You are officially the first guest of the Level Flight podcast era. So how does that make you feel? Um, Very <laughs> special. Very yeah. special. It's and a big I'm day. obviously joined by... I'm obviously joined by Brian as well. You will have just heard Elliot, but uh, Elliot is not in the mailbag portion, but he was just there, but he's not here anymore. He's doing the responsible thing and doing schoolwork. Yeah, we pushed, Brian and I pushed that aside. (laughs) We're podcast bigger things. It's commitment, it's commitment. Exactly, exactly. All righty, well, now that we've all introduced ourselves, we can get into the questions. And I want to start with a bit of a softball. Um, I kind of want to make this a tradition for every guest we have on because it was a it was a big discussion uh, two episodes ago, I think, that we had this where all of the guys on the podcast ranked our favorite goal songs five to one. Now, I'm not going to make you rank all five lists, but what is your favorite goal song on the Jets? This one is no contest for me. It's Hey Baby for Pierre-Luc Dubois. That uh, is yeah. so fun. It's a basic answer, but it's basic for a reason. Goal songs need to be kind of basic. And I don't know, it just brings back so many good memories of, you know, crowds cheering, whatever. And it's just, it's so hype after he scores. That's 100% my favorite. Fair enough. I think I had that number two. I I, I had it at one. Side one. You had it at one. Elliot yep. also That's had good. it at two. So... I yeah, used it's to be a greatest showman girly, but they play the wrong part of the song for it to be hype yeah. enough. So I don't love that anymore. Um, but like in person and you know, when he really gets into it, yeah, hey baby is hundred percent my number one. So great question though. I like that's a good, nice little icebreaker. And yeah, you know, exactly. if anyone comes in and says, you know, Adam Lowry's or something like that, then that's when I'll scrap. So <laughs> Brian had Adam Lowry at three, and I said that was Boo. way too high. Right? Boo. Way too high. Anyways. Can we kick him off the can... podcast, Connor? Can we just do yeah. this? Yeah, wow. get Elliot I, on here. I'm get getting Elliot too back. much music slander the last couple of days. I found out recently that Connor doesn't like Nickelback, and I'm not okay with that. <laughs> hey, I'm not a Nickelback hater, but you I'm are. just not a Nickelback enjoyer. There's there's like, there's like a medium Everyone's there. There's a middle a ground. Enjoyer. You spent the Come entire on. walk across campus yesterday just absolutely ripping on Nickelback. It's true. What a Canadian it's disgrace true. you are. 
<laughs> okay well i am now the host of the level flight podcast both of yeah. these guys have awful takes <laughs> yeah we both failed in the first five minutes of the mailbag portion anyways <laughs> back to the mailbag portion um our first question is going to be from andrew uh he goes to see me with brian and i really good friend of ours thank you for the question he asks what is an under the radar move that the jets could make at the deadline like a demello trade or two th- uh, second or third line forward who can make a larger impact than their cheap trade costs would suggest uh list since you're the guest i will start with you do you have anyone in mind that would be kind of a low cost significant impact acquisition yeah so just a clarification on the phrasing he's saying like when the jets made the dylan demello right. trade right not not, right. not saying like they should trade him right no 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 like the demello okay. trade yeah. that was a third was a round pick or whatever there for yeah. A but yeah. yeah no yeah. and again that was a trade like you know he, he came in and people were like he wasn't one one of those like top of the list trade bait people right. and ended up being the best trade that the Winnipeg Jets have ever made. And I'm not joking. Um, so I definitely like that question. And I would be interested to see if the Jets can replicate that with some form of other impact. Um, I spent a little bit of time on cat friendly today, looking through a couple of pending UFAs and I scrolled to like, you know, page four five, six. I was like, I want to find some kind of off the board guys here and take a look at that. And, um, one that's really not so off the board, but I haven't seen the name go around as much as Dylan Strom. Um, I wanted Dylan Strom this year when he was an RFA and I believe he still is an RFA at the end of this year, but the Washington capitals are, I believe they're like borderline wildcard and the East is just so clogged that if you're borderline wildcard, there's. There's no point in pushing for it unless you're going to, you know, trade for Bo Horvat when you're three points out of a wildcard spot. But no, that's a whole other story. Wow. Um, so <laughs> Dylan Strom would definitely be someone that I'd be super interested in for the Winnipeg Jets. I think that there's a lot of potential in that player. And, you know, Arizona and Chicago just didn't really work out for him. But also, you know, who can blame him in those two markets? I think there's a lot of potential there. And it could be a really interesting low cost ad for the Jets. Um, but to me, you know, that or any of the other ones that I might think of won't be enough of a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets to make a splash in my opinion but I'd love to see that as like a secondary trade or something like that um and also maybe an unpopular take but if you look at, at the back end I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Dmitry Kulikov as a seventh defenseman um you know as an extra guy back there to replace Cal Bianco huh? and if they make a bigger trade or something you know better up there like I wouldn't want him playing super regularly but I think he's a better seventh option than someone like Cal Bianco. and since he left the Winnipeg Jets he's had some pretty good results in you know Minnesota and wherever else he's been like it's so that's kind of my off the board pick there those would be two that I'd be looking at I don't know Capo Bianco just got the jacket against St. Louis (laughs) can't replace him now (laughs) no uh Brian we'll go with you yeah Uh, so I did have Strom on my list as well um but I did a little bit more digging as well and a name that actually uh I saw it on a couple boards um I really like the thought of possibly bringing on Nick Bugstack from Arizona. He is a pending UFA, uh, only on a 900K salary right now. Um, he currently would rank sixth on the Jets in goals this season. He has 11 goals uh, and 21 points. Um, but he's only shooting like 12% or something. So it's not like it's a, some insane shooting bender. Um, but he actually, he would help just that little bottom six scoring. And he's... I looked at some of his underlying numbers. He's not, you know, underperforming or anything. He's just playing well on a very iffy team at best. Um, so you can look at something like that, but once again, it it has to be that under the radar. It has to be that uh, that secondary uh, tertiary move um, because if you're running a primary trade of Nick Bukestad, it's it's not going to end well for you. 
Um, but I also, and Connor, you can definitely shed some light on this one. Uh, on the back end, I was thinking a possible Nick Holden acquisition mm. uh, from Ottawa because he's a pending UFA and he's he will not give you any offense at all, but he is a solid defenseman and has been for several years. Yeah, he has really played well. Like, obviously, the Sens are in the midst of a three-game win streak, so it's easy to say that everyone's playing well. But he's actually started playing well the last three games or the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, he's been kind of up and down. He's a veteran. He's a UFA. I mean, that that's a good low-cost acquisition that would really help that sixth, seventh D spot. Um, I agree with both of you on the both the Dylan Strom front and the fact that these can't be the move. Like, I think we're talking like they need Timo Meyer, they need Sam Reinhardt, they need Jake uh, Chikrin, like whoever, like they need a big splash. And then this can be like the secondary move that would kind of push them a little bit further. Um, since you guys both went with Strom, obviously I had Strom on my list as well. Um, great minds think alike. I'm going to stay in Washington though and go Connor Sheary. Another like low cost UFA. Um, I think he's got 30 points in 50 games this year he could be a boost to the bottom six um Sonny Milano in Washington is another player we're just picking all the players from Washington but he's another player that I wanted in the offseason uh he was on waivers he was the last free agent standing it seemed like like every free agent was signed except for him which was mind-boggling um but I think the Jets could get him for relatively cheap as well um and then some of the names I sent you, Brian, earlier when we were making sure we weren't overlapping. Ethan Bear from Vancouver, um, if we're looking at defense, is a is a name that I think they traded a fifth round pick for him a few months ago. Uh, and then he's been like up and down the lineup, in and out of the lineup. He hasn't really been uh they haven't inserted him right into the lineup and given him all the chances. So like that being like even a bottom pairing or a seventh D acquisition, like you guys alluded to. Uh, those are some of the names for me. And then I wrote down Matthew Joseph as well. That's uh, that's on the 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 knowledge that the Sens are going to be sellers, which I don't think they will be. He's also got four years left on his deal, but he's in the middle of his prime. So I think that could be a good ad. But that's kind of like a long term ad more than a deadline thing, I would say. But yeah, we're all kind of on the same page with all that. Yeah, Lots of Washington I mean, players with Matthew Joseph, like the the impact is now right. So it's like even if he's got right. some term, like you know, if Washington would be op- or pardon me, um, Ottawa's open to moving him, that'd be interesting. I had one more like super duper off the board pick. Um, so this is gonna be my my extra one that a lot of people will be like, <laughs> what? Um, but P.S. Sutter, um, I was also Ooh. looking at. I used to be a Blackhawks fan, so that was my team before the Jets, and I kept up with them for quite some time. And P.S. Sutter has been a weird player for the last little bit, but that guy has a lot of potential. And I feel like that yeah. would be a super low cost, like a very Evgeny Svechnikov-esque high risk or high reward, low risk type of acquisition. So that was my, I was like, I don't know how off the board we're going to go here. Like, you know, is Dylan Strom off the board enough? So I had a couple of back pocket guys. So that was yeah. my back pocket guy to add kind of at the end there, you know, not, not thinking that's going to happen, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I also had a couple of guys that I'm like, if we all either agree on certain things and have a bunch of them, uh, someone we actually just saw him last night. Uh, I am all aboard and have been for a while. The Josh Levo hype train. Um, I am a big fan of him as a player. Um, and he's, you know, he's continuously just sort of been like that guy who 
has incredible underlying numbers, but has yet to stick with the team because he just doesn't get the ice time. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've always liked, uh, I liked him in Toronto. I liked him in Vancouver. Um, I think that he has a chance to really be an impact guy on a playoff team, which I don't think the blues are. <laughs> um, so uh, um, yeah, I, I'd say that he's definitely someone as we were saying, like a little bit more off the board because you don't really hear much buzz around the blues, except for, you know, uh, Barbashev, O'Reilly, a couple of guys like that. And I know, Connor, you had mentioned Barbashev when we were chatting earlier, right. um, which personally, not a huge fan of him. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know. It, he just doesn't move the needle for me. Um, sure. But I just want to bring up one quick thing because we were talking about how the Capitals don't seem to have like anyone who's like locked in for a long time. I was looking at their cat friendly page today. They don't have a single defenseman under contract after the season on their active roster right now. Not one. If you look on Cat Friendly, it's just a block <laughs> of red and blue. Uh, and no one has been re-signed oh uh, who's like actually in their six right now. That is hilarious. Feels I did good. Not Feels know right, that. you know. That's, yeah. <laughs> that means yeah. it's time to sell. That means it's time to sell and then just scrap and start the whole thing over again. Yeah. yeah. We're all praying on the, the capital's downfall for all of our moves to to work out as secondary moves, but I'm here I, for I, it. I, I had a couple more caps guys on my list and I'm wondering, that's probably why, because they're all UFA. Yeah. So they're on my UFA list. I was like, oh, that guy, that guy, all caps. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for it. Um, I could totally see them dropping out of the, the playoff race. They're an old team. Uh, that core is getting old. We'll see. We'll see what happens. There, there's a, still a month before the trade deadline. Uh, I feel like, like the Jets were tied to Domi and uh nick ritchie today on twitter i saw that so i i i yeah list you're getting the thumbs down i i'm not big on those names um but if that's who the jets are interested in then i guess that's who they're interested in if that's trade number four and number five yeah, okay exactly. whatever um but also no not nick ritchie get get him out of my sight no thank you <laughs> yeah no it's a pass for me as well um i think we covered that one pretty well uh, so we'll move on to friend of the pod, Rebel. Yeah. Um, they asked, well, who do you want to see in the, who do you least want to see in the first round of the playoffs? Ooh, that that's an interesting one. Um, the West stinks. Like the West is so wide open this year that it's the kind of thing where it's like, that's part of the reason that I'm so, I like, I, I, I so badly want the Jets to go for it, right? Is that this might be the easiest route they have to the Western Conference final um that they'll get for quite some time and that they've ever had um that being said I don't want to see the Colorado Avalanche at the end of the day they are still the Colorado Avalanche I think that you know they get some guys back from injury and they've been there before right they they know the show uh I think that that's a really strong team still the standings may not show it I think that would be my least favorite team to cross paths with in the playoffs and then you know on a secondary level like the central doesn't really scare me that much if I'm being completely honest with you, but if the Jets, you know, continue to stink uh, and fall to like a wild card spot or something, I don't want to see Vegas. If I'm like just, you know, with with the way 2017-18 ended and the fact that Vegas is, you know, found a way to win in a lot of different scenarios, I don't want to see them either. Um, but Colorado Avalanche is number one on my list of of no thank you. Brian, yeah, I mean it's hard not to put them at the top of your list, especially because yeah. they're starting to suddenly look like themselves again and they're still not fully healthy. Um, and all of those injuries are supposed to be recovered by the end of the season, which is why there's not a whole lot of buzz about them, about the deadline, because their acquisitions are Gabe Landeskog coming back from injury. Uh, so, I mean, obviously them, and it's it's a pretty definitive number one for me, but 
I have been watching a lot of Pacific games because uh, I've been staying up late to watch the Kraken games lately. Um, so what I'm a little bit concerned of is, uh, as you had mentioned, falling into the, one of the wildcard spots. I, to be honest with you, would be frightened of playing the Kraken in the first round because they are just insanely shoot heavy. And if they go on one of their heaters, which they've been on all season because they're shooting like 12% as a, an entire team, um, it's ridiculous, but they're somehow they've sustained it almost the entire season. Uh, you get them going on a shooting heater. There's very few teams that can keep up. They outscore all of their problems. Uh, and that's their starting goalie is Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones. So it's it's not a good tandem. Their defense has let a lot up recently, but it's a lot of them just outscoring everything. Like Daniel Sprong on the on the fourth line has over 20 goals or almost 20 goals. Uh, and he's, uh, he, he's, it's one of those things where everyone's scoring and I, I get scared of teams that have lines that everyone can score on. Um, and then obviously uh, uh, there's always the fear of matching up against Edmonton just because McDavid can be McDavid. That's yeah, really... that was my pick. I'm not gonna, was I'll, I'll let you elaborate yeah. on that more. Uh, but yeah. essentially it's just McDavid's McDavid dry saddles, dry saddle. Yeah. Uh, they can win games just by themselves. Yeah, and this this Oilers team, especially with Evander came back, I said it on the pod two weeks ago that now that the Avs are getting back Nachushkin and the Oilers are getting back Kane, these two teams are going to go off and finally hit the stride that everyone, like they're the two Western Conference Finals teams from a year ago, they're going to be good with these players back in the lineup, right? I just think this Oilers team, people are going to say the Jets swept the Oilers in the Canadian division year. Oh, it doesn't matter. They know how to shut down McDavid. This Oilers team is better because Stuart Skinner is actually a half-decent goalie. And again, McDavid and Drysaddle can be McDavid and Drysaddle and just win you a series. Uh, to the Seattle point, uh, I think they have such a big goaltending, goaltending advantage that I just don't... Like, I get... Uh, Seattle's offense is arguably like they're scoring more goals per game than like any other team in the West besides Edmonton. Um, so that's scary. And the Jets defense, you know, they can take they they can look lackluster for a few games for, for like four games. Then boom, the series is done. Right. Um, but I just I can't go into a series with Connor Hellbuck versus Martin Jones and not think like they have this in the bag. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's weird to say because they're the top team in the Pacific, but I I just can't do that. I can't make that that jump mentally. I, I'm kind of in agreement with you on that one, to be honest. Like, and I also a very unpopular opinion with playoff. People talk about depth in the playoffs, which is important, but I more so than depth believe in your stars showing up. And to me, the Jets have the higher end of potential there with stars showing up that I think like I don't know if you guys saw Domless Chishin's like those like spider web things he put out the other day that showed kind of like the percentile in the ranks of the top usage forwards for all these teams comparatively to others and whatnot and Seattle's depth it was ridiculous they had like the best bottom six of the entire NHL and like you said it because they're scoring like freaking on command it's wild um and I do believe in their ability to sustain that but I feel like if we can mitigate that as Jets a little bit I think that the top end talent would outshine with the Winnipeg Jets. And I feel like between that and the goaltending that Connor mentioned, I'm inclined to think the Jets would be able to do it, but I understand what you mean. And I also think that you watch more Kraken than we do, Brian. So maybe, maybe, maybe we'll bite our words if that matchup occurs. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the fact that, um, I mean, obviously there's the, the belief that 
if even if they don't swing big, they're going to swing, you know, lightly and pick up some middle six, middle six depth guys. But I just worry about the ability of like the fourth line and our bottom six to, you know, properly contain. Like, sure, you could probably get the top six to like very clearly. Like, there's a a high end talent difference, um, and like Seattle's best player, um he's shooting 23% right now. Jared McCann is shooting 23% on the season. Uh, so it, it's a matter of, uh, it would be a lot of ifs. And I think that's why it scares me because it, it feels the most unpredictable. And I don't like unpredictability in a series. Like I wish being, I, like I like being able to say this can happen. This can't uh, it's, it's just, it frightens me a little bit that way. Yeah. I, the thing that Liz uh, alluded to was the, the best players being the best players. McDavid and Dreisaitl are obviously going to be the best players in a series if it was Jets Oilers. I'm doing like just counting in my head. If the Jets and Kraken were playing in a playoff series, first round, second round, third round, doesn't matter. Do the Jets not go in with the six best players in that series? Dubois, Connor, Ehlers, Shifley, Hellebuck, Morrissey. Oh, okay. They're, I thought you were going top six, and then I because I was gonna say I take Maddie Beniers over like Cole Perfetti or Blake Wheeler or whatever, but six players. No, but like yeah, you might be onto something. That's yeah. a like, really interesting point. I, I don't know. I just like even if they meet like Seattle's great, so like they have so much depth, like you said. So I wouldn't be shocked if they win a playoff series. So never mind this first. This question's kind of phrased for the first round. Who do you want to see the least? But in the Western Conference Finals in the second round, I just like. That it's within the realm of possibilities where we go into the series thinking that the Jets have the six best players and that Seattle still wins. That's how good their depth is, and that's how they like how much offense they get from every line, how good their analytics are, and how much goaltending doesn't matter to them. It's it's ridiculous to think about it that way, but it's that's Seattle. That's just what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes back to yeah, like if the six best players in that series don't show up the depth there's no contest there and, and seattle takes no. that every day of the week right so it definitely a big a big if series so that's just it's interesting and i'm kind of why do i kind of want to see that now yeah that would be kind of interesting it's like a top end talent versus depth they would settle every argument ever on twitter about that so let's have let's make it happen absolutely um all right so we covered that one pretty well we're already on to our last question this is flying by way too quick but uh, this is from Chevy on Twitter uh, at D smoke Stan. Um, Chevy has a lot of burners on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but there's a lot of people <laughs> named Chevy Chevy or the real Kevin Shovel day off tweets at us a few times here and there. Um, but they asked if the jets aren't in a playoff spot around the deadline, should we trade Shifley Dubois, Connor, Morrissey, Hellebuck, Ehlers, and everyone else, et cetera. If we're not contending around the deadline, should we blow it up, stack our farm, acquire tons of picks and prospects, etc.? Now, I think this question is two weeks ago. He he even said this. He he commented and said two weeks ago or a month ago, this wouldn't have even been a question. But the fact that the Jets just lost uh, five of seven, they were losing three straight and were down to St. Louis in the third. Like, could you imagine they lose that game? They've lost six of eight, four straight going into the All-Star break. Now this is a real question. It's like, well, what if the Jets stumble to the deadline? They're on the wild card, like they're third in the uh, central. And then do we blow it up at that point? Who knows, right? But the Jets won last night. So it's a bit of a different question. One win changes our whole narrative on this. But what do you guys think? Because the Jets can obviously stumble for the next month. And then this is this becomes a legitimate like, okay, these players are expiring. What do we do here? 
Um, do you think that's it within the realm of possibilities? And if they lose a bunch over the next month, do you think that's what they should do? I'll start with Brian on this one. So my thought process is this. It is so incredibly far-fetched to think that they fall out of the playoffs that I, I'm having a hard time coming to terms with the idea of trading everyone. But I do think if, you know, all everything falls in around them, because, um, I mean, in reality, they are uh, less than 10 points above the playoff line. So it's it's possible if they just they lose a bunch in a row and then suddenly Colorado wins, Nashville wins a bunch, whatever. But um, my thought is there are certain players that you have to try and maximize value on if the time comes. And my thing is the player you try to sell most, and I'm so sorry for this list, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Because he's in his contract year now. He's playing better than we've seen him. Uh, and everyone kind of knows the end here. Uh, and it's it, we, we talked about this a lot last week where there seems like a lot of certainty around the you know how this is going to finish up with him. Um, so if that is indeed the case, if they do fall out, now's the time. So like, cause otherwise you're, you're pushing it again. Uh, and then every, with every sort of moment that you have that you can sell, you lose leverage. That being said, if they're in a playoff spot, even if they're clinging on to one, you do not trade one of your top two centers. <laughs> but like that being said, like there's a bunch of, uh, you know, pending UFAs coming up after next season. So I think the real question is not this year, but next, if they find themselves not contending, uh, which ones go because like, you know, Shifley, Hellebuck, Wheeler, they're all up after next year. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if it was Craig button or Dave Poulin or one of the TSN guys, but they basically said if the jets were out of a playoff spot right now, Pierre-Luc Dubois would be the number one guy on every trade deadline board list whatever you want to rank all these players that are pending rfas or ufas he would be the number one player um so if the jets did find themselves in that unlikely scenario he's definitely the guy that it's kind of mapped out that he's going to montreal the rest of the players like kyle connor nikolai ehlers they're still under contract for i believe ehlers is three more years and connor's four or they might come up at the same time i'm not 100 percent sure on that but those players I think you keep because they're still in the prime of their careers. They're still young. Morrissey, you're not trading him. He's the future captain of this team. Hellebuck, he's a UFA in a year. Could you get, do you, like, he's having a Vesna type year. You probably squeeze every ounce out of him. Shifley, he's on pace for 50 goals. Like, I just don't really see a scenario where you're selling any of these guys, even if they lose the next 10 games out of the break. I think Dubois would be the guy to go if you were going to sell anyone. But the rest of the players, I just think next year would be the year to sell. Hellebuck, Shifley, whoever. Connor and Ehlers are too young. Morrissey's too good. That's my take. <laughs> well, you guys may think this is a wild take for me, but I am okay. a winning fan first over everything else. So I'm of the mind that, honestly... Chevy should be shopping Dubois anyway. Like if you're getting, if you can get like a Timo Meyer plus like these kinds of things, you should be shopping that guy anyway. Like I, <laughs> maybe it's a bit of an unpopular take, but um, if the West weren't as wide open this year, I would be more on that train. But since 
the likelihood, not the likelihood, but the possibility, the potential of the Jets to actually do something in the playoffs is as open as it is. I don't really want that, but yeah, the the end, it's it's written on the wall, right? Like we know what's happening there. So shop him and if you can get something back from while he's still worth something, um, I, I'd be down for that. But um, my take is I was a big sell it all, fill the farm person a while ago, but now just kind of looking at the wider scope of the league, I don't think the Jets can afford to do that while they still have Connor Hellebuck because they're never going to have that again. And I think they need to do what they can in that window. Just like to like Connor Hellebuck is Sidney Crosby, right? Like the Pittsburgh Penguins were not going to be a rebuilding team while they still had Sidney Crosby for 10, whatever years, because you're never going to have that again. So you need to maximize that. And they got three cups or whatever it was out of it. Right. And I'm not saying the Winnipeg Jets are that good, but it's the same type of player with the same type of impact. So I don't believe that. Um, That being said, you know, it, it, you you have to go all in on whatever you're going to do. So if they were going to do that, then I agree. Trade literally everyone except for like Nick Lailers or Josh Morrissey or, you know, Dylan DeMel. No, just kidding. Um, but <laughs> like I, I'm very much of the mind that they shouldn't do that. But the, the question that was in the mailbag literally had every single player on there. So if that were the play, yes, I would trade all of those guys. But I just don't think it is while Connor Hellebuck is still under contract. He's that move the needle guy for me um you know as, as soon as they don't have him um I think yeah clean house and start all over again and whatnot but I think the Jets have a decent amount of ammo right now where they can you know make themselves contenders for the time being um as long as they play their cards right and don't pull a half measure on a Jordy Ben or a Bogdan Kisilevich again or whatever and actually do something yeah and another thing for me is like the farm is good enough as is like i think the athletic ranked them as like the 13th best prospect pool like two weeks ago Chaz lucius is lighting up the whl uh rucker mcgordy is like a b plus to a minus prospect we don't know what to make of uh brad lambert and Ville hanala and some other prospects at this point but it's not like the 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 pool is at the point of a, a vancouver canucks where you need to trade bo horvat just to get ratty just to have a little bit of life in your prospect pool like the, the jets have a good pool they're gonna have some effective players on elcs over the next couple of years and it's i i would be more inclined to sell if they had the 30th ranked uh prospect pool but it's good enough right now that i think you don't even need to replenish it like these players are going to be impact players in the next two three years and you can just ride out this team which is first in the or in the race for first, not officially first anymore after the last week and a half, but <laughs> in the race for first, um, in the primes of their career, you just enjoy the core for what it is and let the prospect pool develop because I think it's good enough. Yeah, I'm um I know we're we're running out of time on this mailbag here, but I'm gonna open a whole new can of worms and maybe I did this strategically so you guys can't press me on how wild my takes are. Um, but I've kind of transitioned in the last couple of years to being a little bit more anti-prospect as opposed to like in the sense that you know, like you said, we have these good prospects now, trade them. Like if, if the team's going for it now, like what you have in Chaz Lucius and Rucker McGrady is what you can only hope to be as good as many of the players that are currently existing in the NHL. So if a team's going for it, like I say, you know, scrap it, whatever, and then replenish the picks and use them as assets as opposed to waiting for players to pan out. Because if you wait for every single first round pick to pan out, you're never going to have a flock of good players at the same time. So, you know, maybe Rucker McGrady becomes a better player than you know, 
Jesse Pooley-Arvey or someone random who probably will become a better player than him. But I don't need Rucker McGordy to be good in four years. I need someone to be good right now. So I'm kind of of that mentality a little bit too. So having a good prospect pool, I like from an assets perspective as opposed to a, I'm less worried about the future. Throw them all away, replenish, do a full, go for it in a full rebuild. And so 13th prospect pool, I want them sitting at 30 or I want them sitting at one. Like let's let's do something interesting here. So maybe that's my wild take of the day, but... <laughs> Yeah, and also I think the prospect pool, like to to kind of further your point in a sense, is like it's also good enough right now where you could trade the next two years of first round picks because you don't need those picks. You don't need those players to be good in four or five years, like you said. Those picks might be valuable to a San Jose who wants a Horvat like that report came out today that San Jose wants a Horvat like return for Timo Meyer. The Jets should have made that trade already. If that is the asking price Ooh, for Timo Appleton, Meyer, and Lucius in a first, let's go. <laughs> Boom, done. Like Dang. it, it should have been done already. If that's the asking price, because that's not enough for what Timo Meyer could bring to this team. But yeah, I agree. Especially with control at the end of the year, are you kidding me? Like wild stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm on. I, I've always been fairly firmly of the mindset that. Uh, if there's a player that you can get who can be better than someone you have, no one should be untouchable. Like you're you're gonna trade someone uh for someone, and if you put them in like a in like a graph or something, and you look at potential, and then you look at what someone already is, if you can't see any sort of possibility, and as you said, I, I love what you said about the uh, I don't need you to be good uh, in four years. I need you to be good now. I think more teams need to think that way. Uh, and the Jets obviously being one of them, where uh, the future is the future. You can figure it out then. You can figure something out way earlier and possibly win. So uh, that that feels like the best option there. Yeah, like do any of the prospects in the pool right now have the ceiling of Timo Meyer? I, I that's wouldn't what I'm say saying. So. That's what I'm saying. I don't think so. Yeah. Who knows? So yeah. At and that, I don't want to I... wait five years to figure it out. <laughs> Exactly. Like maybe Rucker McGordy, if he develops like his skating to an extent and his offensive skills, maybe. But besides that, no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So I agree. We're all kind of on the same page with that, that they need players to be good right now because this core is in the prime of their careers. They haven't been this good in five years or six years, whenever that good run was. Um, but yeah, you I think that's a good. So old. <laughs> It was uh, like five years ago. Yeah. The good old days. The good old days. Well, Liz, thanks for coming on. We only have about a minute and a half left here, but I'm sure we'll do a bit of an outro on the on the rest of the episode tomorrow that we record. Yeah, we but will. we appreciate the time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, you guys said that you're bringing on guests now. There are lots of fun people in Winnipeg, you know, media and hockey community and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see uh, who you guys bring on next and, you know, see if they can follow the amazing performance I put on today. You know, it's the the inaugural guest put on, you know, high bar, high bar. No, I'm just kidding. It's hard, <laughs> um, hard it's to been, follow. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, first uh, guest in level flight history. Yeah, and yeah. It just, you know, as we're about to head out here, anything last minute you want to, you know, obviously you said it earlier, but want to plug? Game over Winnipeg. Um, If you guys are ever looking around, you know, Kenny and Rennie do a great post-game show that starts about an hour after the game, and we fit that block right in the middle, so there's some great post-game coverage that comes on after every single Jets game, so there's always something there, so definitely check out Game Over Winnipeg. All righty. Thank you for, for coming on. We are out of time, but there will be... More of us to come, I think, on the on the yeah. later part of this podcast. So stick around.
and welcome back from the interview mailbag portion. We received some great questions and had a great guest. And we want to thank Liz again for coming on because it was super fun. And we're going to have more guests in the future. And she was the first. Boom. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, definitely something that we had to get used to. But it's it's really you know a big step for us. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, we do them virtually. But that means we get more uh, guests. Exactly. Because we can actually coordinate with people. Because we're, you know, in here only a, you know, a couple hours a, a week. So um, we're going to try and get as many guests as we can in a reasonable fashion. Um, so we're going to try and get at least a couple per month. So definitely something that everyone can look forward to. Upset I missed, but <laughs> it was a really good mailbag. So hopefully I will be there for the next interview because it sounded like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and we have mics at home that we're using for these interviews so we hope that the quality didn't drop off that much because we are in a very nice studio right now um that our school is grateful enough to get grateful enough to give us but we thought our mics held up pretty well i think so sounded good to me (laughs) let us know if 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 they didn't because we'll be able to tell when we edit this yeah for sure also still let us know about anything you ever have to say on our socials (laughs) oh wow we have enough ads in these episodes now (laughs) it's all about self-promotion exactly um Alrighty, well, the Jets are now headed on their All-Star break. We alluded to it earlier. Um, they also have an extended break, but we're going to do a big trade deadline preview uh, podcast next week. It's just going to be the three of us, I believe, no guests, but we are going to talk about who we want the Jets to acquire. We've been very vocal on a few guys that have been all over Twitter. You've probably read a million things about Timo Meyer at this point, but we're going to do some some big swings, some under-the-radar guys. We're going to analyze it from a big-picture perspective. And uh, it should be a lot of fun, but I'm looking forward to that next week. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, there are a few things I thrive on as much as I do trade coverage. <laughs> so uh, any ta- any chance I get a you know ability to talk about that, I'm gonna you know definitely pre prep a lot for that episode. <laughs> yeah, it it should be a lot of fun. Got a couple other ideas coming up in the works for other trade deadline stuff. We'll tell you guys more about it when we've kind of got an idea around it. But yeah, next week should be lots of fun. Should be a lot of talk about. Should the Jets add? Well, should be who are the Jets adding, not when and who or anything else. It should be who. But yeah. should be a really good episode next week. And yeah, we'll talk about the All Star game. Exactly. Have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Hopefully Morrissey or Hellebuck wins a competition of some kind. Yeah. That's my take. Um. All right. Well, from the three of us, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the the guest, the mailbag episode. It was it was a lot of fun for us uh, to expand and get some new people on. But from all three of us. Uh, Check us out next week. Yeah, absolutely. It'll uh, it'll be fun next week. And if you have someone you do want us to talk about that you d- know maybe might not be on our radar, let us know, and we'll see if we can you know find a way to you know satisfy that uh, that that request for you. Yeah, just let us know on social media and our personal accounts, the podcast account. No matter what, we're checking all of them, and we'll make sure that everybody's accounted for. Alrighty. Go Jets. Go Jets. Go Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 